This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello, welcome to another edition of the Husker Online show as camps are now officially behind us. And Nebraska had arguably maybe one of their most successful on-campus camps ever in this modern recruiting era as uh, Nebraska hosted around 10-plus four- and five-star prospects. And a lot of these guys worked out of Memorial Stadium. There were 3,000 fans in attendance at the event, uh, really kind of seizing the moment, understanding what the moment meant to Nebraska because you just don't get opportunities for these guys to be on your campus. You may not get them back for a home game, so you had to show the love, the passion, and Husker fans came out in full force as we bring Nate Klaus into the program, it was really quite a spectacle, Nate. I mean, you and I have been around a lot of Husker events and fan things. Army All-American Bowl, I can remember. Um, hundreds of fans went down to that one year, and Mike Farrell still talks to me about that. But 3,000 fans at a camp uh, ranks right up there. Yeah, it was unreal. Just when, just when you think you've, you've seen it all with Nebraska football, then all of a sudden something like this happens. And, I mean, just the every time a player caught a pass, the oohs and the ahs and the cheers, you know, that were coming from the crowd were, were pretty amazing. And, and the random go big red chance, I, I think, uh, I mean, just added so much to the atmosphere. And, and, and I think it helped the players. They, they wanted to, to compete and they wanted to show their, you know, show out in front of all those fans. So um, it, it, they kind of fed off that energy, too. But, um, you know, it was special. Each, each one of the kids I spoke with told me that how special it was that you know, roughly 3,000 fans came out for three hours or more to watch a bunch of recruits catch footballs inside the stadium. They just couldn't be- couldn't believe that they, that was happening, and uh, and it actually it meant a lot to them. So, um, but yeah, the camp in, overall was uh, was loaded with talent. It was a huge success, and a lot of these underclassmen that were here too are already telling me, "Hey, I can't wait till next year's camp. I'm definitely coming back." And and I've talked with a couple of kids who had uh, you know expressed interest in coming, but didn't actually make the visit uh, and they've said man I wish I would have made it uh, I'm definitely going next year so that's yeah. a good thing for Nebraska it was funny I was kind of reading I, I like to read some of the reactions on other message boards of Red Sea Scrolls and our uh, um, and the Iowa fan base to hear their reaction to the Nebraska fans at the camp um, it, it was definitely uh you know, a lot of the Iowa fans are like, Nebraska fans are a bunch of losers. 3,000 people spend their Friday night watching a high school camp. But uh, the proof is in the pudding. It played an impact on these kids. I guarantee you Iowa would like to have that type of deal if they could have had it a lot of other schools. But Nebraska Nate is really one of the only fan bases that would put together something like this and do that. Yeah, I can't think of too many other fan bases where where you could have something like this happen. And um, and I think you know the way I look at it is, you know, this is a, it was a Friday night at the end of June. Um, the weather was great, and so how many opportunities do you get to be able to go into Memorial Stadium with your family, you know, with your with your little kids, uh, and just hang out and, and watch, you know, potential future. And there Oscars. were no concessions. There were no concessions or nothing. I mean, um, but but I think it was a cool deal for the fans. You know, we know that this fan base they they like to feel a part of the the program, and they anytime you can open a window and give them a little look inside of the program, they absolutely feed that or eat that up. And uh, and this is just one more example of that happening. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we put a final wrap on Nebraska's uh, third and final Friday Night Lights camp. And you wonder, Nate, where do they go from here? You look at the success they had. They had three camps this year. Uh, they scaled back their satellite camps to really only two all-staff camps, Sound Mind, Sound Body in Detroit, and then the big one in Calabasas, California. Uh, but the, having the three Friday Night Lights, you just didn't know, like, was, was it going to be difficult to have three successful events? Well, they had three pretty successful events. Um, you, you just wonder, how do they top this? Where do they go from here next year? I think you just have to build off the momentum that you have from this f- final Friday Night Lights camp. Obviously, there's a buzz about this camp right now. This was the the biggest and the best of, of all three this summer. And, um, you know, looking back to when Mike Riley kind of uh, shifted towards this new direction of camps, you know, having kind of one-day camps, uh, a couple position-specific camps with the, the skill guys and the, the offensive, defensive linemen, and then having kind of more of your elite camp on the Friday Night Lights, this is what he wanted. He wanted 
wanted to, to build this up to be a spectacle and, and have have it be where eventually all the top players in the country wanted to come to Nebraska and, and be able to perform inside Memorial Stadium under the lights and, and have it be an experience, not, not just a camp where you could potentially get offered or whatever, but uh, just the overall experience. And I think that that's where it's trending. This is, um, you know, they have a lot of momentum here. And I think next year's is has a great chance to be bigger and better. And how about our man Keith Williams? I mean, it was just kind of his stage, <laughs> his night. I mean, he's he's out there doing dance moves and having fun. And I'm like, that's a guy that's dancing, realizing he's got the top receivers in the country in Memorial Stadium right now. No doubt about it. Uh, you had probably uh, you had five of the top, I don't know, twenty five, twenty five or so wide receivers in the nation, including a couple of five stars. So um, I mean, that was that was unreal. And and you know, Keith Williams is not short of energy, not short of one liners, and and so he was uh, he was definitely in his element Friday night. And Nebraska recognizes his value. I mean, his somebody on Red Sea Scrolls this weekend a nice breakdown of wide receiver coach salaries. He's making four hundred thousand dollars right now, and really the only two uh, wide receivers coaches that make more than him are co-coordinators. Um, so as far as the straight up true wide receiver coaches, Sean Eichhorst, Mike Riley, I think they recognize that value he's brought to the table. They are taking care of him as much as they can right now. He's making more money than the Alabama wide receivers coach and the Ohio State wide receivers coach, etc. So uh, anybody doesn't think that they're taking care of these assistants, uh, they are making sure Keith Williams stays happy here at Nebraska. And it's smart. You got to. You got to lock up a guy like Keith Williams. He's a dynamic recruiter. You know, he's a, he's a terrific coach, too. I, I think that sometimes some people get wrapped up in his personality and, and the way that he's recruiting. Uh, and obviously having a lot of success there but the social guy, media can rub yeah, some guys the wrong way yeah. but this guy he's a phenomenal coach he knows he know, he's the best wide receiver coach in the nation and it, you know you can t- you can ask anybody out there um, that knows that knows the the lay of the land and they'll tell you that Keith Williams is the best and his resume backs it up so uh, it's good to see Nebraska's taking care of him you know giving him that extension giving him that raise and I would not be surprised depending on how this year goes and depending on who he lands um, he's probably got another raise coming towards him yeah you wonder what kind of title they could ever throw because it gets to a point where like in order to justify increases of salary you have to have a title thrown his way like master of recruiting yeah. well yeah no one <laughs> no one on the staff right now has a recruiting coordinator title um you know so i mean that's something easy right there you could put on him um i mean there's there's a lot of different directions you can go you can you can window dress however you want but the bottom line is they need to open up the checkbook and so far that's what they're doing yeah he's happy he's not a guy that i don't think wants to be a coordinator Mm -hmm. i think he's I mean, his Twitter handle is at Whiteouts. The, the dude is a wide receivers coach. He knows it, and I think that's what he wants to be. And the X Factor is his son, Kean, is at Nebraska for the next three seasons, Nate? Three years. Um, so they'll have him here for three more years with the family. So um, it's a huge, huge boost as he's really uh, bolstered Nebraska's recruiting, uh, particularly at the wide receiver position. Well, we're going to talk more in depth about the prospects that were at the camp and what we heard from them um, here later on the show. But in our next segment, uh, we want to catch up with Robin Washett and get his take on Andrew White and kind of what went down there and where Nebraska ball goes from there because it is a huge blow to this program to lose their returning leading scorer, one of the top returning scorers in the Big Ten. We'll get Robin's talk on a take on that, and we're also going to catch up with Glenn Snodgrass, the head coach of York, uh, to talk more about his rising 2018 defensive tackle, Massery Maypu, uh, who committed to Nebraska following their second Friday Night Lights camp. But Robin Washat next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show, and it has been a roller coaster of an offseason for Nebraska basketball, really all stemming around recruiting Andrew White. Um, and it looked at one time, Robin, as we bring Robin Washett into the program, that things are off to a great you know, start here for 2016-17 as Nebraska lands Jordy Schmonga, um, a big man, the big man center they wanted. Andrew White announced he was not going to go in the NBA draft, which I don't think anybody ever thought he was. But the key word on that day was, I will go back and play college. Didn't say Nebraska. And then you hear some other media members like our colleague Brian Rosenthal. Um, I think Andrew White told him, do not ask me about my current team or Nebraska. So there were some red flags out there. But it was announced 
really in a bombshell type manner this past Saturday uh, that Andrew White would be leaving Nebraska, um, and he he contacted Nebraska's athletic director Sean Eichhorst, not Tim Miles, and he's going to be a graduate transfer. And, and this puts Nebraska Robin in a humongous bind uh, because he obviously was their number one scoring piece going into the season. It really is uh, almost a worst case situation for Tim Miles and Nebraska. Just, you know, not only the fact that they lose, you know, their top returning scorer, top rebounder, uh, one of only two seniors on the entire roster, uh, but the timing of it. I mean, they're, they're right now in a situation where it's going to be extremely difficult to find a capable replacement to, to fill Andrew, Andrew White's well, open You're going to have to tamper with someone's roster pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's really, I mean, there are guys out there that have already announced transfers, but are any of those guys good enough to you know be contributors in the Big Ten? Probably not. All those guys have already been picked over. And, and so it's it's just a really, really bad situation for Nebraska just because you know they're already down a scholarship and they're probably already kind of conceding going into this coming season down a scholarship. They get 12 short. or 13. 13. And so right now they only have 11 guys on scholarship. Uh, not not ideal by any stretch now, of the imagination. And one of those scholarships, one of those 11, is James Palmer Jr., who's not even going to play this year. In so today's, they have 10 scholarship guys. In today's game, though, it's not uncommon for people to be down one. Like I, I've heard some people talk about like Syracuse and some of the things, yeah. you know, like their limitations. You know, a lot of people play with 11 or 12. I mean, it's hard to have 13 happy, quality scholarship players. Yeah, it's, it's true, but you're, I mean... A, also consider the fact that they're losing so much already, you know, when Siobhan Shields and then so basically your top two guys from last year and your starting point guard and Benny Parker are all gone. And so now, I mean, it's just almost a complete clean sweep uh, from what you were a year ago, with the exception of a handful of guys. So it's uh, I mean, Tim Miles has been a big proponent all along about uh, reducing the amount of scholarships teams get anyway, you know, maybe to about 10 scholarships just because uh, he thinks that will help with the transfer market, that there won't be as many available scholarships to give kids and maybe they'll be more content where they are. But anyway, that's another discussion. But uh, yeah, what I think what is most frustrating and disappointing about this whole deal is just the way Andrew handled this and his camp handled this situation. Because if you remember at the end of the year, there was already talk going around that he was going to test the waters with the NBA. He was very clear and open about that. And everybody thought that it was nuts. Right. But, you know, it, with a new rule in place where you get all the way up until, you know, the, the I guess, through the NBA combine to make your decision, uh, you know, it, it made sense for him to do it. So no one was blaming him, you know. But, you know, one thing, you know, Tim Miles was very supportive, you know, did everything he could to help just with the, you know, assumption that, hey, Andrew, I'm going to do this for you. You know, don't screw me over. Well, that's exactly what Andrew did. He strung Nebraska along through this entire process, waited to the 11th hour to finally say he was coming back to play, quote-unquote, college basketball. And then, you know, this late in the process, you know, a week before the, the July recruiting period, uh, to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to play college basketball, but I'm not playing it at Nebraska. I mean, that, that was just a real shady way to go about it, in my opinion. If you knew you weren't coming back to Nebraska say so. You know, don't use your, your school that took a chance on you. You know, the last time around you weren't happy with your first school uh, and gave you an opportunity to be the guy, the number one star of your program uh, and just kind of string them along just as, use as, as your plan B, your, your fallback option in, in case nothing better comes around. I just thought that was a really just bad look for Andrew and for his camp. And it, it was just complete 180 from everything that, you know, I personally had experienced with Andrew. He's been nothing but a first class person, uh, you know, and just a, a super just bright, smart, intelligent kid uh, that, that was, you know, nothing but good to the media and anyone who's ever encountered him. But the, this, this certainly makes you look at him differently. Uh, just, just because this was, this was a really kind of a disrespectful thing that he did not only to Tim miles, but to Nebraska basketball. Yeah. There was a post on the Red Sea Scrolls. Somebody said, um, more or less than Andrew White's father almost uses Andrew as a meal ticket. Yep. Um, and, you know, I don't know if that's true or false, but it seems like there's some other, uh, you know, just some other factors out there that that clearly impacted his decision to leave Nebraska. It's been no secret that Andrew White Jr., uh, Andrew's dad, uh, has loved the attention from the very beginning. Um, you know, that this. I remember when the first stories I started writing about Andrew when you left Kansas and there was connection to Nebraska, you know, I, I heard from Andrew Jr. Uh, about, you know, how much he liked the, the attention that he was getting from Nebraska. You know, he, he really thought that that made Nebraska a, a legitimate contender to, to get his son because, you know, they were embracing him so much and uh, put him as such a high priority. And, you know, that's fine and good. You know, that's kind of what you want when you're transferring school 
schools like that. But uh, then, you know, there's other stories, you know, we, we heard where he's, you know, calling uh, media members around here asking what he can do to, to help market Andrew on, on a local and regional level. Uh, and then, you know, with the way that this went down, I mean, again, I, this doesn't, this is just so opposite of what Andrew White's character was, uh, you know, from all my experiences that you got to think that someone was in their ear, whether it was an agent, you know, from their NBA experiences saying, hey, you know, you need to get out of Nebraska. You're not going to get drafted if you stay. And then that, you know, got in Andrew White Jr.'s ear. And then that got in Andrew White the third's ear. Uh, I, I just I just don't think that this was a really, uh, you know, genuine uh, situation, uh, the, the, the way that it all transpired and uh, the fact that they strung Nebraska along the way. Now, Robin, as we talk more about the situation with Andrew White, um, going into year five for Tim Miles, I mean, this, this really – puts a lot of pressure. I mean, Nebraska, even as bad as they were last year, still ranked in the top 10 in the nation in attendance. So Mm -hmm. there's demand, there's money involved with Husker basketball right now. Um, There's interest to fill that arena. And the, the, the product has not been the same since that NCAA tournament run. I mean, now you lose another key piece to go with Shields and Benny Parker. um, And you're really going to be counting on guys like Lynn Watson, Ed Morrow, um, you know, some of these younger guys that came in highly touted, Schmonga, the new big man. Um, how much pressure is on Tim Miles going into this fifth year? Well, I mean, there's obviously pressure just because, you know, we are in year five now and you have one NCAA tournament appearance to, to show for it. The highest finish in the conference is fourth place. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's it hasn't been a very good track record. But on the other hand of things, I still think that this program is trending in the right direction. Despite what, you know, everybody might say that, uh, you know, proof is in the pudding with wins and losses. You look at the, there's just the roster, even with Andrew Weiss departure that's in place right now. uh, There's a whole lot of potential there and it's a lot of young potential. Uh, Obviously, you know, you you can't count your chickens before they hatch, but uh, I still think that with the sophomore class, you know, that played a whole bunch as freshmen a year ago, including Glenn Watson, who I think might have as big of high of a ceiling uh, as anyone that's come through here in a long time. Uh, Ed Morrow, we just saw he's up to 235 pounds. Michael Jacobson. Yeah, Michael Jacobson, who played out of position all season long, and I thought more than held his own. Uh, You have Jordy Schmongo. You finally have a true center. Uh, You got Ty Webster, who's, you know, coming off another great international performance and is going into his Hey, Jack year. McVay, too, I think, has, has a chance to get a lot better. He struggled uh, a lot more than I thought he would, but I think he, you, know, you saw signs of improvement as the year went on. And as far as that perimeter shooter that's going to replace Andrew White, I think he's the first guy you look to to, to be that catch-and-shoot. He's the big winner out of this whole thing if I think so. on the current his, roster. His role just uh, boosted significantly uh, just with, with this whole deal. And then, more than anything, I want to say these two, two freshmen, Dryhorn and Isaiah Roby, too, along with Jordy, I think have just enormous potential, especially Isaiah Roby. If you ever get a chance to meet him, he's a first-class kid, you know, right up there with Andrew White, just the nicest guy you're ever going to meet, but he's a player. I mean, he's just so long. He's putting in the work. There was a post uh, I had on the board the other day. Uh, You know, it's 940 at night, and he's in the gym by himself, and the the janitor has to come in and tell him to to shut it down uh, just because he's in there getting shots up. I mean, this kid has the drive, the potential, and the talent uh, to really be a special guy that could be, uh, you know, a real big piece in the puzzle for Tim Miles down the road. Well, it'll be interesting. This will be the first time ever Tim Miles will have all of his own roster. I mean, he, this last year was kind of the last season of the Doc Sadler pieces in place, and those are some big pieces, and, and Benny Parker and Siobhan Shields. Now this is completely Tim Miles' roster. They lose a big piece. Uh, it will be interesting. Robin, um, it was great talking Husker hoops with you. Uh, as Nebraska hopefully can get beyond this Andrew White departure. Yeah, and you know, the good news is we're coming in July. It's the biggest basketball recruiting month of the calendar year, and we'll probably start to see some official visits get lined up and uh, really get a better idea of who the top 2017 targets are, uh, you know, for this upcoming class. All right, when we come back here on the show, we're going to catch up with York head coach Glenn Snodgrass. He's the head coach of York's 2018 Husker recruit, Massery Maypu. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 
And welcome back here on the Husker Online Show. It's been a busy month of June in recruiting, particularly on the in-state front as Nebraska landed a commitment from Lincoln Southeast offensive lineman now at IMG Academy, Brock Bando. But really the story that moved the needle the most was 2018 York defensive tackle Mastery Mapu, who committed during Nebraska's second Friday Night Lights camp. And Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus back here on the Husker Online Show. We're pleased to bring in the head coach of the York Dukes, Maypoo's head coach, Glenn Snodgrass. Coach, I know you're uh, coaching some basketball here with your, your kids right now, so thanks for taking some time with us here on the Husker Online Show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Well, let's delve into Mastery. I mean, he, he's a kid that um, played eight-man football at McCool Junction, has had quite a story uh, of just how he's even gotten to Lincoln, Nebraska, then out to your neck of the woods in central Nebraska. Um, give us an idea of how you came across Massery and, and, and really uh, the developmental path he's taken in the last year. Well, you know, it's been pretty well documented, you know, quite a bit right now where he came from and where he's at right now. But he uh, – you know, he, he, he was born in Egypt. His family moved to Kansas City uh, for work and uh, just kind of as refugees. Um, then they ended up in uh, Lincoln. Um, Masary got uh, put into foster care, I, I believe, sometime in late elementary, I think fourth grade or fifth grade, something like that, um, you know, and uh, moved into a, a fantastic situation um, with, with his foster mom, Loretta Bellows, over there. She, uh, she takes in a lot of a lot of tough kids and does a very, very good job with them, you know, and then one day um, after at the end of his freshman year, um, he just, uh, you know, he wanted to transfer, I guess I've, I've heard since then he wanted to transfer his freshman year, um, but it didn't work out well. um, And he ended up here as a sophomore, you know, I've taken a little bit of flack from some people thinking that, that we recruited him to come down here to York, but you know, that absolutely wasn't the case. And he, you know, he showed up in our weight room one day and, asked if it would be okay if he transferred to York, and I said, heck, yeah, it would be okay. We'll definitely find a uniform for you. So, you know, a kid like that uh, shows up at your doorstep. You definitely don't turn him away. So um, we're very happy to have him and, you know, have him for another two years especially. Hey, Coach, what's his uh, progress or development been like, you know, since the time that he showed up in that weight room to now uh, being a Nebraska commitment? I mean, what's that process been like? Well, he's he, um, – he has progressed a long way since then. You know, he he's always been a physically imposing kid. You know, I'd actually never even laid eyes on him before the that one day he came into our weight room at the end of his freshman year, but I kind of heard about him, that there's this great big giant kid over there at uh, living at McCool Junction. And so uh, <clears throat> um, when he got here, very, very raw. You know, I think he was used to um, being able to just physically dominate most of the centers that he would go up against. Um and the defense that they ran over there was quite a bit different from the one we run. And so he wasn't quite prepared. That first uh, first week of camp is going into his sophomore year. We're playing against, you know, a great team in Grand Island Senior High. And they got a, they've got an all-state center and just really kind of um, – kind of handled him pretty pretty well and so we knew right then he was a raw talent that we we're going to need to really work with and so we've got two what i consider two of the of the best d-line coaches in you know in high school here in class b and matt kern and my brother jake snodgrass and they've, they've spent a lot of time um working with him as well as all of our defensive linemen and if you look at his films um from last season he wasn't a, a great player in week one. He just wasn't. Um, but by week, you know, 11 in the playoffs against a real good Alcorn South team, he played very, very well. And I anticipate next year he's going to be um, real tough to block and he'll be able to lot of, eat up a lot of space in the middle of that defensive line. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus were joined by York head coach Glenn Snodgrass. He's the head coach of 2018 Nebraska defensive tackle recruit Massery Mapu. Um, coach, when you go back, um, I think it was February, you put out a video of Massery on Twitter, uh, about 15 seconds, 20 seconds of him doing some weightlifting. And Nate goes to me, Sean, you got to see this kid at York. Um, he definitely has the makings of yeah. some, some something special. When you put out that video, how quickly did things kind of escalate where you realize, you know what, we might actually have something pretty special here going forward? Well, you know, I, I wanted to make sure we knew that eventually he might be, you know, a, a, a Division One college type of a kid just because of his frame. And if nothing else, the frame was going to get him looks. But I, I just didn't feel like, 
you know, technique wise, he was ready. And I didn't want those division one coaches watching him play, you know, when he wasn't prepared to um, put out film, that's going to be something they'd like. I didn't want those division one coaches to look at him and just kind of dismiss him right off the bat because of some um, pretty poor technique. And so we kind of waited and I, I, I didn't really talk about him much until the end of that sophomore year where we, you know, felt like he was, um, playing at the the level that we liked and we also knew that he was going to be a um a high character kid that would be able to handle college you know I, I didn't know him that well at first and once I knew that he was that type he had the work ethic that you're looking for we knew that he had the um you know the ability to and the desire to take the coaching you know he wants to be coached but once we kind of knew all that stuff was was in place then I thought maybe it was time to get get his name out there and so I put out that that it was just a Twitter video of him lifting weights and within literally within two minutes, maybe I had three different, um, a couple division two coaches, um, and a couple division one coaches replied, texted me. Um, I started getting follows by all these, uh, college coaches and Wyoming coach called me and said, we'll be there tomorrow. You know, and he came down tomorrow just to talk to me. Didn't even see Masary, just saw that video and he, right then, he's the one who told me that, uh, you know, we might be looking at a, a big-time national recruit type of a kid. And so when he told me that, I knew that he was uh, definitely going to be that type of kid. And then I tried to get his name out there a little more, you know, Coach Prowla and um, just some of the different Division One coaches. And when we got him signed up for the camps, you know, his name slowly trickled out there. But I, I would say that Twitter video was definitely the – um, the beginning of it, but I, I thought it was pretty amazing how fast all those coaches. And to me, you know, the social media thing is just crazy right now. The the amount of kids in Nebraska that are getting Division One offers above and beyond anything I've ever seen since I've been coaching. And that one Twitter video really sums it all up right there. How much social media has changed recruiting that within five minutes I can have five or six Division One coaches on my kid just because of a little video I put out. So that was. That was kind of neat to see the response there, and that was definitely the beginning of his recruitment. Now, Coach, obviously that Nebraska offer was something that Masry was uh, looking for, but before that happened, he picked up offers from Iowa, Iowa State, UCLA, a handful of other schools. I mean, was there any point in time where, where maybe he was a little nervous whether or not Nebraska was going to pull the trigger or, or um, you know, had kind of expressed any type of uh, concern over, you know, where exactly he stood with the Huskers leading into that camp? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think he always wanted to play for Nebraska. Um, and, you know, we I had been in contact a little bit with Coach Perella just through text and maybe a little bit of Twitter, um, but not much. And they had, you know, they never came down, you know, so we didn't really know if they were even interested at all other than, you know, a text and a call from Kenny Wilhite to ask if, you know, he'd like to come down to camp. Um so, yeah, we were definitely nervous about that. But then, you know, when we went to Iowa, that one in particular, he played very, very well. And uh, he came back from the one-on-ones, and I said, Masary, how'd you do? He goes, I did pretty good. He said, but I don't think there's any – the players here were very good at all. And I talked to coach, uh, their D-line coach later, and he said, yeah, there were 15 kids with Division One offers over there. <laughs> and Masary played really well against them. And so when Iowa offered right off the bat, Iowa State offered right off the bat, UCLA offered without even seeing him, UCF offered, I kind of had a pretty good idea that, you know, Nebraska was going to offer. But I I was sure hoping because I knew he wanted to go there, and I knew that was the one he was really waiting on. So when it happened, we were all pretty excited. As we wrap it up here with Glenn Snodgrass, the head coach of York, how how fun has this this been for the community of York? I mean, it's been a long time. Aaron Galladay being your last Husker scholarship recruit, which was back in the class of 1998. Uh, So to have Mm -hmm. another guy high on the Division I radar with your program being a consensus top five top 10 B team the last four years um, it's got to be fun right now to be in York yeah it's been good for our whole program and honestly our whole community's really kind of been in the spotlight in the last couple weeks with with all this attention that, that he's been getting but I know I know our program you know our football program here has been getting a lot of attention too so it's you know it's a win-win for everybody obviously it's a fantastic thing for Masary getting his education paid for you know something he's not gonna have to worry about um but, you know, just for everybody, it's been uh, great for our kids. You know, we had six kids down at that Friday Night Lights camp that we may not have normally had. Um, and so it, it's been good for all of us. And, you know, Masary, he's such a level-headed, 
um, just good kid who's not letting any of this go to his head. Um, but, you know, I was just talking to him last night, and he says, Coach, it's crazy, and everybody wants my autograph now. <laughs> and, uh, so the word is definitely out, and the people around town here are pretty excited for him um, and for our entire program. So uh, it's uh, it's been a neat thing, and you know, but I, I, I've told him a lot that he needs to make sure, you know, this, this recruitment thing now is behind him. Now he needs to focus on being the best player he can be for the York Dukes for the next two years um, and making sure that, you know, our, our team is very successful here and focus on continuing to improve as a player because, you know, I know at this point he's improved a lot in the last year, but he's still got a long ways to go, you know, if he wants to be somebody that plays for Nebraska. So um, it, it's been a, it's been a great thing. For me personally, it's been fun. I've met a lot of a lot of big-time Division One coaches that I've kind of been able to make contact with. And for our kids in the future, it's, it's been great. You know, I've told – we've got several young kids that have aspirations of playing college football. And I've told them all, man, for the next couple of years, you're going to have multiple Division One coaches watching every game you play. You know, and I told our middle linebackers, you're probably not going to get blocked for the next two years either because <laughs> a lot of them are going to be blocking Masry. So it's been fun, and it's been great for him, and I'm proud of how well he's handling it. Well, August 26th, York will open up with Elkhorn South in York. You can bet uh, I think we'll have coverage of that game as well because that will be as big of an opening weekend matchup anywhere, Class A, Class B in the state. And Nate and I might slip in a meal at Chances Are when we're down there as well, Coach. So uh, thanks again for the time, and, and congratulations, Coach, on everything with Mastery, and good luck here as you get ready for that opener against Elkhorn South. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. It is going to be a lot of fun here in the opening week. There's a lot of talk about that game, and we're real excited. Make sure you go down the chances are and have the filet steak. It's one of the best you'll ever have. We'll bill it out to the um, York football account, all right? (laughs) All right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. All right, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Thanks. We come back here. More recruiting talk from the Friday Night Lights camp. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. That was really fun. And uh, as they've done all along, they, I think, impacted a lot of young men. The crowd did, so it's pretty neat. (laughs) Camp or practice, never. I've coached over 40 years, and I've never seen anything quite like that tonight. It just, uh, that's why I told some of the kids, I said, uh, only in Nebraska will you see stuff like that. So that was fun. Really, really appreciate the fans. And that was Nebraska head coach Mike Riley giving his final take after Nebraska's Friday Night Lights camp. Uh, Nate, as uh, Nate Klaus rejoins the program here, um, talking more, um, just some final takes from what we saw at that camp. But um, as we touched on in the opening segment, just a special night for Nebraska for recruiting here um, in general with, with the number of players at this camp. Yeah, there, there is no place like Nebraska. I mean, uh, we talked about the fans and everything, but I think what, what uh, you know, one of my biggest takeaways from the camp was the fact that so many talented players were there that actually worked out. Uh, I mean, these are guys that have offers from Nebraska already. They don't have anything to prove to the coaching staff. You know, they're not they're not out there trying to uh, trying to get an offer. They they have offers and they have multiple multiple national offers. I mean, these are highly touted players, but they wanted to come out and compete against one another and and be coached up by by Nebraska's coaching staff. And I think that speaks. Um, you know, to their, their to their level of competitiveness, uh, and to the fact that uh, that they're highly interested in Nebraska, and that they take the coaching that they receive from Nebraska's staff very seriously. So, um, you know, that's what I was. You know, one thing that I was really impressed with was the amount of guys that actually worked out. Now, let's get down to some of the names. Or you had the commits there: Keyshawn Johnson Jr., Tristan Jebbia, uh, Javon McQuitty all throwing balls, but I think people obviously are more interested in the guys that aren't committed. Uh, let's start with Brandon uh, Bookie Riley Hiles um, came in as a four-star potential top 100 corner. He left the camp, Nate, on Friday uh, showing that he might be a five-star player when it's all said and done. Nebraska is in an excellent spot with him, I think. Yeah, no doubt about it. He had probably the most – I'd say that he had the top performance of the camp, which is saying something, especially when you consider the amount of talent that, that Nebraska had working out at, at wide receiver. And um, He's a 2018 player, but he definitely does not act like an underclassman, uh, whether it's on the field or off the field when you talk with him. He's very mature young man um, in, in really, 
I mean, just the the way that he speaks and handles himself. Uh, if I didn't know better, I would think that he were a fifth year senior in college. I mean, he's uh, wise beyond his years. But in terms of what he did on the field that night, he he absolutely destroyed people on the line of scrimmage uh, in press man coverage. He, I think he even recorded a couple pan, pan, <clears throat> excuse me a couple recorded a couple pancakes on some uh, on some poor kids that had no. Yeah, who's the kid that? I mean, where, where was the kid from? I mean, just some kid from in-state Nebraska, <laughs> and just for his own sake of embarrassment, we won't we won't look on the roster what his name was. But this guy, I mean, literally, it was like he was trying to run through a a steel wall. <laughs> he, yep. just, he, he shook his head in frustration. He's like, "Yep, they play a little bit more seven on seven out in California than they do here in Nebraska." Hey, that kid had no idea what was coming his way, and and I felt bad for him because yeah, it, that was. Uh, I mean, the the crowd erupted. The all the current Nebraska players were rushed out on the field and were jumping up and down. I mean, um, you know, that was pretty impressive to see. But then not only did he show that he's a he can be a bully, um, you know, at the line of scrimmage, but he played off man and showed that, that he can run. He has cover skills, great ball skills. He broke up several passes on the night, uh, recorded a handful of interceptions. And makeup speed uh, too. I mean, he he is the total package as a corner, and uh, and I think the fact that he's not the biggest corner in the world. You know, he's five ten, one hundred and seventy five pounds. Uh, I think that kind of fuels him. He he wants to prove that that he can that he has a, the, a diverse game that he can play that that big physical corner if you want him to at the line of scrimmage, or he can play off and be kind of a finesse player and, and break up passes and run with anybody. So uh, to me, that he had the best performance on the night Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we're talking about the prospects that were at Nebraska's Friday Night Lights camp and uh, Tyjon Lindsey um, potentially a five-star receiver here on the next round of rankings at Rivals.com and then Joseph Lewis a current five-star uh, were two of the other really big name guys that traveled in I think that most of the 3,000 fans in attendance I think wanted to see these two guys and I think as we mentioned Bookie might have been the surprise to them because many of the fans didn't know who Bookie was because he's 2018 but these two these two 2017 wide receivers man uh, they they made it look pretty easy on Friday night yeah they're very special and they're two contrasting styles of wide receivers uh, Joseph Lewis goes about uh, 6'2 205 pounds he, he's a big wide receiver big bodied guy I was really impressed with his ability to run though he's a, he's very fluid uh, and he has another gear and there were a handful of times where uh, the ball was overthrown to him but he was able to, to you know kick it into overdrive and, and get underneath that ball for the catch so uh, and he's very physical kid too I know uh, there were a handful of players that tried to jam him at the line of scrimmage and, and uh, he, they pretty much bounced right off of Joseph Lewis so uh, he definitely showed why he's a five star on the night and then Tyjon Lindsay you know we've seen him a lot this month and uh and he never you know you know he always impresses there's never a letdown anytime you see this kid in person uh he is just a, a dynamic athlete he's uh, basically a highlight reel waiting to happen on the field his his speed and his change of direction uh, are pretty much unmatched and um you know i know that uh, the, that's why nebraska is so high on these two types of guys they're they're game breakers and in two different types of game breakers so uh there's so many different things that mike Ryan Keith Williams and the staff could potentially do with these kids. You know, after the camp, I, I know a lot of people logged on the Red Sea Scrolls and Husker Online, and I think they just expect commits. They expect fireworks. Obviously, there weren't any commits as of yet out of the event. What can you tell the eager Husker fan out there, Nate, that wants to see some results from this Friday Night Lights camp? Well, I think the the one thing that I can say for sure is that Nebraska improved their standing with every single kid that was there. Uh, now, there were a handful of kids that's, that told us, yeah, I thought about committing while I was there, but uh, I didn't. Um, you know, one of them was uh, defensive end Robert Porsche out of Florida who actually didn't work out because they just had surgery on his thumb. But he said that he thought about committing, but uh, decided that he's going to end up taking his, his two remaining unofficial visits that he has scheduled this summer to Michigan and to Arizona. Arizona before making a decision, but um, his father, former NFL All-Pro defensive end uh, Robert Porsche, uh, with the Detroit Lions, uh, you know he absolutely loved, loved, loved the trip, and I think he he would like to see his son there. So he's definitely a kid to keep an eye on. Um, all the wide receivers, Tyjon Lindsey, Joseph Lewis, I still think that Nebraska is sitting very, very well with them. And Jameer Calvin, another name that wasn't there, but I think you'd lump in that group with the, that high-profile group, right? Yeah, absolutely. The, you 
you know, between those three recruits at that wide receiver position, I think Nebraska is sitting about as well as they could to get at least one. Well, to I, I, my guess, right? I would say they're going to get two out of those three. Two out of those. Three. I, I really do. I'm I'm confident in saying that they get at least two out of those three. Um, I mean, they they are very very high on the Huskers, so I'll just put it that way. Uh, I feel I feel very confident in saying that. So, um, you know, and, and they had a, a handful of other kids, um, you know, that that came out performed well. Maybe don't have Nebraska offers right now, but if they did pick up an offer, would probably commit on the spot. I think Anthony Payne, the the defensive end out of uh, Kansas City, came and. You know, he picked up an offer from Michigan last week, and then he came and uh, performed very well on Friday night. and And he's really, really wanting that Nebraska offer. And then, then all of a sudden, out of the blue at, at the camp, you had Deron Davis, a four-star athlete out of Kansas City, who's currently committed to Missouri, just show up. I mean, just out of the blue, walk up, basically, right? walked up. Nobody knew he was going to be there, and he tested out. He, I mean, he did everything that the you know every other camper would do, um, and he wants a Nebraska offer, and and we. We were able to get a comment from him after the camp, and he said, I've never experienced uh, an atmosphere like that before in my life. And I, I want a Nebraska offer, and and I want to get back for a real game. And Nebraska fans are like, "Well, you won't experience it at a Missouri game." <laughs> well, well, and what's what's crazy about that? Is he committed to Missouri after uh, a, a Missouri home game, uh, after a victory at a Missouri home game. So there was, I mean, under for, the Pinkle regime, probably right. Yeah, it was, it was under Pinkle. Uh, but for a kid to, that you know has obviously been to college football games and, and committed to Missouri after a victory, um, you know to say that they're you know the friday night lights camp with three thousand fans in the stands was the best atmosphere he'd ever been to i mean <laughs> that speaks volumes to to the type of feeling and everything that that's surrounding the program right now there's a ton of momentum kids are wanting to get in the boat and and for a four-star kid, for Nebraska to be in a position to potentially turn away a four-star wide receiver from just right or down. maybe reclassify him as an athlete, yeah, or, and, and that's what I think will happen if they offer Nate. I, I just can't see them giving up one of those valuable spots that we already mentioned at receiver to him. Where you, I think you take him as a strategic chess piece in the state of Missouri as an athlete because you know this kind of blankets Missouri with Kansas City, St. Louis, and yep. the Columbia area where you're going to have like some household names from all of those markets on your roster. Absolutely. Trey Bryan has been that, that guy uh, from St. Louis. Uh, you know, Javon McQuitty is going to be that guy from Columbia. And then you've Davis got, twins. You got the Davis twins from the Kansas city area. Deron Davis uh, could potentially be that guy if you take him and, and he could potentially, I mean, he could project to a number of different positions. He's six two, 200 pounds that can run. So uh, it's hard telling exactly what he grows into. He, I think he could play safety, uh, possibly corner, but and maybe even eventually grow into a linebacker. But I don't know how much he wants to play defense. But, uh, but yeah, sometimes you take an athlete like that and figure it out later. Yeah, it just makes sense, I think. But uh, we come back. We'll talk more recruiting as we wrap up this week's show. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show as it's been recruiting heavy here the entire month of June on our weekly show. And Nebraska held their final satellite camp as now, uh, as we bring Nate Klaus back in. Now, Nate, they go back into kind of what's the, quote, vacation period, dead period, where is it about two weeks where things just are dead? Nebraska will have two guys in the office at all times to make sure, you know, someone's there to answer the phone or maybe see any kind of duty that needs to be done. But uh, a lot of the coaches will be using this time to get, kind of get away and relax before the start of fall camp in early August. Yeah, the dead period runs from uh, June 27th through July 11th. So this is kind of the, the time um, where the coaching staff can recharge their batteries a little bit. It's obviously, you know, it's there's really no break from the end of the season because, you know, you finish the season, you go straight into recruiting. And then uh, from there, you, you go into having junior days and, and things on campus, and then you're into spring ball. And and then all of a sudden you're into the spring evaluation period, which bleeds into camp season, satellite camps, camps on your campus. So, I mean, it, it is a grind for these guys. So now they'll have a couple of weeks off uh, to kind of recharge our batteries. But, um, you know, and I think people may cringe when, when you say, oh, it's, you know, July is when the coaches take some time off. Yeah, they're taking time. You off. have to. I mean, it's and, a rule. Yeah, you well, you have to. But uh, there, all, there will still be plenty recruiting of recruiting that's that's taking place i think there are previous staffs here that just 
Previous shut her down. Yeah, previous staffs <laughs> here uh, would basically, you know, um, you know, vacation meant. Uh, we'll vac- see you Labor Day. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> and th- that's not going to happen here. Uh, and we and we saw that last year. They were they they recruited very well. They didn't lose communication with kids. They didn't lose uh, standing with any kids because of a, a lack of communication or anything like that. So. Uh, but but yeah, during the dead period, it does mean that kids can't visit you on campus. Uh, but uh, there will be a handful of unofficial visitors arriving uh, after the dead period. I, I think that uh, you know, speaking with Kenyatta Watson, um, you know, out of Georgia from from Grayson High School, out of Georgia, same high school as Muhammad Berry, uh, they visited Nebraska last week, um, and his son Kenyatta Watson II picked up an offer from the Huskers. He's a 2019 corner. Uh, well, they love their visits so much that they're planning on bringing. 20 to 25 recruits from the the Atlanta area up on on, uh, July 12th through the 14th. Uh, he loved it so much that he said he went back and he said he talked to about 80 people and said, you got to get your kids up to Nebraska. You have to see it to believe it. This is the best place that we've been to. And and he told me he's been to 28 other schools and Nebraska is by far the best place. He, he talked about the feeling that surrounds that's surrounding the app, uh, the program right now. He said that he felt like Nebraska is on the verge of doing something pretty special. So um, and, and there is definitely a feeling in the air. There's a lot of momentum. I think uh, that over this month, like I said, you'll see some unofficial visits, but a lot of it will be, a lot of the efforts will be poured into, um, you know, lining up official visits for the fall and, and making sure that these guys get on campus. The, I think the staff is very aware that uh, the game day atmosphere uh, that, that takes place in the fall just cannot be duplicated, um, you know, when you're, you know, when you're out of season for an official visit. So they want guys to get on campus. A lot of these players have actually started to move their official visits from the Oregon game to the Fresno, the Fresno State That's game. a three-day weekend, Yep. so prospects can fly in Saturday morning and still make it into Lincoln by early afternoon, and then they don't have to leave until Monday because mm-hmm. of the 48-hour official visitor rule, and everybody in the country is off on Labor Day, and that's always been a sneaky good official weekend, especially for West Coast guys, and nine out of ten years, Nebraska will open with a night game. Now, last year was a 2.30 against BYU. Um, I want to say if one year was at Southern Miss, it might not have been a night game. But yep. um, if it's a BTN-level game, um, Nebraska will always request night. But if it's like an ESPN, obviously they don't have that authority to, to call for a night game in those years. Yeah, and, and I think that's going to work out perfectly. You're going to have a ton of recruits on campus for that, that home opener, and it is a night game. And I think the, with all this buzz that is surrounding the program, I think that should be a pretty good atmosphere for these guys to experience, uh, many of which have already been to Nebraska before, but um, you know it never hurts to, to get a kid back on campus once again. And, and a lot of these kids have talked to me about you know coming back multiple times. A lot of the, the players that are switching their official visit from Oregon to Fresno State said, yeah, but we're still Still coming back to Oregon uh, unofficially, and, and even a kid like Bookie Radley Hiles said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to Fresno State, uh, Oregon, and Minnesota." And the, the impressive thing about that is that he's a 2018 kid, so all those trips are on his own dime. So um, just a ton of momentum right now. I, I think that uh, I think you know some people do get nervous uh, when when they don't see a ton of commitments after a big event like this. But I think the the what you have to realize is the Huskers are in on such highly touted players that these aren't guys that just are going to go out and make a snap decision. Uh, they have got a lot of options on the table uh, and they're taking their time and. Uh, and I think they kind of know how and when they would like to announce it. So, so they're going to stick to that plan. And, but uh, I am very confident that uh, some of these dominoes are going to fall, and they're going to fall here shortly. Yeah, just looking at uh, we know five of the seven home games right now as far as kickoff times. You mentioned Fresno State. The Wyoming's at 11 a.m. That is going to be your let's get the in-state guys here and, and kind of – uh, bring potential walk-on guys in the Oregon game 2:30. Anybody you can get there for that is going to be huge. Uh, but I'm starting to look ahead here, Nate. November 12th, Minnesota is a night game. That will be kind of another opportunity to get guys in. 
And then even that November 19th Maryland game, they haven't announced that one yet. It's probably 11 or 2.30 kick for sure, as we know. That's that's like a junior college one. You know, junior college football runs through the November 12th Saturday. So um, it is. I think it does work out if you're trying to recruit a JUCO guy by that point of the year. November 19th, the Maryland weekend um, as a home game is a perfect opportunity to bring a JUCO guy in because uh, their seasons, uh, you know, they get a couple weeks off there before the bowl games. And what I like about the staff is that how proactive they've been in, in setting up official visits already. I, I don't remember or I can't recall a time really, at least going back to the Callahan era where we've seen so many official visitors already locked in and, and lined up for, for this coming fall. So um, you have to get kudos to the recruiting staff and the, the coaches for, for being proactive there because you want to lock those visits up before they start locking up trips to other places. And then and then you're kind of held hostage by their, their uh, Friday night football schedules, uh, with a lot of these players and travel arrangements and whatnot. So and their parents can then buy cheaper. No, actually parents, parents now can are go. Now paid. Yeah. New rule this year, which is great for Nebraska. They can pay for mom and dad, right? Both are just Both. one no no sisters or uncles or aunts and yeah, no in the SEC they might allow yeah. um you know, as you read the allegation report out an old miss where like they had five hotel rooms rented out for uh was it Tunzel's family? Uh, I think it was several different families, but yeah, several, several uncles and cousins cousins. got free lodging (laughs) courtesy of the old Miss football budget. Well, and I think some, uh, some, some coaches were even hosting, you know, kind of opening up their own doors for, for family members to, to crash. And when these coaches are making 400,000 as assistants now, they, they have pretty nice places they can put you up at. Now it's not like the old days of assistant coaches making 60 grand. I mean, these coaches now, um, their houses are probably nicer than a hotel. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it's no doubt, Nate, going to be uh, a fun, fun, um, you know, season with these recruiting visits, and and I think it sets up great with the, the, those first two games, um, or the first two bigger official visit weekends with Fresno State and Oregon, um, and then plenty to keep tabs on. Nebraska at ten commits. Do you, uh, as we wrap it up here, do you envision that growing uh, much more before the opener? I do. I, I think we'll see a, a handful of commitments uh, come forth uh, before September 3rd game against Fresno State. I would say right now, I, I would say probably two is, is a good number, I, it, but it could end up being three or four. But um, So you think 12 to 14 by the opener? Yeah, I think heading into the season opener, the commitment list will be at, at 12 to 14, which would put them either right at halfway home uh, to, to filling out the rest of the class or maybe slightly over halfway. And they're 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 big right now on the O line. They're kind of done, not done there, but they're in good shape. Defensive line though, still a huge huge one to to keep working on. But we know receivers and quarterbacks are going to be in great shape. Uh, defensive backs appear to be in great shape, but no doubt a, a lot to keep tabs on. Make sure you're logged on to HuskerOnline.com as we will have plenty of recruiting coverage here uh, from now here throughout the month of July. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 